A huge, cylindrical image formed suddenly in the morning mist, then vanished just as quickly. Tree branches cast three-dimensional shadows in the mist, the thick-blued rays stretching all the way down to the luxuriant green and yellow ground cover. The cacophony of animal noises diminished for a second. As the sounds began to swell to their original volume, the image reappeared in the air, first as insubstantial as a mirage, then solidifying instantly with a clap of thunder. Bellows and howls came from every direction. The object, a huge featureless canister half as tall as the nearest tree, materialized far enough above the ground that when it fell to earth, the powerful shock wave tricked some of the local wildlife into earthquake avoidance mode, and the sudden flurries of activity spread out in concentric rings as if the large form had dropped into a lake instead of crashing into a jungle. A sharp click came from somewhere inside the canister, and a vertical line appeared on the dull gray surface. With a hiss, a curved door slid aside into the curved wall. A broad snout protruded from the opening, and two large dark eyes blinked. A huge green clawed foot extended from the doorway and sank into the dense ground cover and fertile black soil, forming a deep footprint. That's one small step for a reptile. One giant step for Reptilia. The creature's voice was deep and gravelly, almost a modulated roar. Can you not find something even more pretentious to say? Came a softer and even deeper pitched voice from farther inside the canister. And will you hurry up and get out of the way, Val? I want to see what it looks like out there. Oh, don't lay an egg, Hector. Val extended her other foot from the canister, and it sank into the ground beside her first foot. Together, her feet crushed almost half a square meter of the local vegetation. She moved away from the canister until there was room for Hector to reach the doorway, and one huge foot splashed into a small puddle, teeming with life. Val stood almost three meters high, her spike tail sticking out of the tail hole of her blue tonsor chronicore uniform. Hector stepped lightly down from the canister. He was almost as tall as Bal, but was much thinner, massing only half what Bal did. He had no tail, and his skull was wider than Val's. When he walked away from the canister, he took gentle steps, and the ground didn't shake much at all. At the opening in the canister appeared a third body, also dressed in blue, but wearing only shorts, since spikes on his back made a shirt impractical. Millions of years into the past, Plort said in a hushed, throaty voice. Absolutely incredible. Two large eyes blinked as he scanned the horizon, and he belched. A white dueling scar showed against his rough hide. Hector, you're a genius. Hector snorted gently, making a sound like someone pulling one foot from sucking mud. And you're an idiot, he thought. Baal turned full circle and looked back at Hector. Plort's right. I was impressed with the one-century run, but somehow I didn't really think we could go back this far. You really are a genius, Hector. Your name will go down in history. And what an opportunity! Hector dragged a huge case from the interior of the time machine. Let's not be too quick to assume we are in the target time period. I admit it does look like I imagined it might, but we could have missed by millions of years. With his stubby arms, he tilted the case onto its back. Short claws flicked open the latches, and Hector withdrew a number of instruments. As Bell and Port scanned the horizon with binoculars, 
Ektor set up an air analyzer, then took water samples from a nearby pool. A flying insect with gossamer wings buzzed around Ektor's head. He quickly made sure his companions were looking elsewhere, then he flicked out his tongue and grabbed the insect. Mmm, good. He liked it when they were crunchy. As Ektor worked, Plort set up a cylindrical force field to keep their ancient ancestors from straying too close to the time machine. Ektor and his companions were smaller and less massive than the local inhabitants, and Ektor was convinced the team members were even slower and less violent than the locals. Plort did the job competently and without having to ask questions, so Ektor didn't feel it necessary to repeat his constant objection that Plort should not have been selected for the mission solely because he was Baal's brother-in-law.